First Kings chapter number 18, and about midway through the end of this chapter, there's a great battle that takes place on top of Mount Carmel. It is a picture of revival, and I believe that's what we need in our day more than anything else. But at the end of this great outpouring of God's blessings, there's a little story tucked in here that I've read thousands and thousands of times in the Bible. But there's one little word in it that just jumped out at me. And brother, it's got a hold of me and it won't let me go. It's where Elijah prayed for the rain to come. And he saw the little cloud the size of a man's hand. And God did in that day what nobody else could do. And I want to read about it up in verse number 41. Chapter number 18 of 1 Kings, verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a, say it with me, a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Verse 45, and he said to his servant, say this little word with me now, go. And he said to his servant, go. He said unto his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea. And he, speaking of the servant, went up and looked and said, Say these little three words out loud with me. There is nothing. Say that with me again. There is nothing. Well, he had heard the sound of the abundance of rain. So when they went up to look, the Bible said, there was nothing. Read the rest of it. And he said unto him, Go back home, for God will not keep his word. Let me try that one more time. And he said, Let's just give up, because it will never happen. No. And he said unto him, Give up. I guess the word of the Lord is going to return void. No, I must be reading out one of them funny Bibles. And he said, say these next two words, go again. Go again seven times. In other words, don't quit just because you don't see nothing. Don't turn back because you don't see nothing. Don't lose hope because you don't see nothing. Go again and again. And again, seven times. I love this phrase in the Bible, verse 44, and it came to pass. Let me just stop and say all that junk you're going through. One day it will come to pass. And it came to pass at the second time, third time, fourth time, Fifth time, sixth time. Now what does the Bible say? And it came to pass at the seventh time. How many times did God tell him to go? How many times did it take to see the miracle? 
And what did God do when there was nothing? He did something. Because he kept going. And he went seven times. And it came to pass, sit with me again, at the seventh time. That he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. I want to say, young preacher boy, there's more than a man's hand. Arising out of the sea, glory. There's the unseen hand of God. Lord God, youngins, I feel a shout coming on. Uh, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, said with me again, go. Go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Look at verse 45, I love it. And it came to pass. In the meanwhile, that the heavens were black with clouds and wind. And say it with me, church. And there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The Bible said when he looked up and said, There's nothing, God said, Go again and go seven times. And when he fully did what God told him to do, he saw the blessing and he saw the miracle. There are two words in this text that I'm drawn to. The little word nothing and then the word go. I've had both of those in my life. Go, 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 go. And then sad to say, I've had this in my life, nothing. Sometimes I've been gone and had nothing to show for it. Sometimes I've worked, worked, worked and had nothing to show for it. So that little word nothing and that little word go to me are the biggest words of the text. And so with that in mind, I want to preach for a while on this subject. How to go on when there's nothing. How to keep on going when there is nothing. When you have done your best and still there's nothing. When you have prayed and prayed and prayed and yet there is nothing. When you've hoped and trusted and served, and yet there is nothing. God says, go again. How to go on when there is nothing. Once again, in our text, we have an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament verse. James chapter 5 verse 17 said that Elijah, the man in our text, was a man of like passion. That simply means he was a human being just like you and I. That means that he was not only a man of strength, but he was a man of weakness. That not only means that he was a man of faith, 
but he was also a man of fear. That means he not only had mountaintops in his life, but he had valleys in his life. That means that he spent days under the sunshine and spent nights in misery. It means that there were days of great blessing in his life, great fruitfulness in his life. But yet there were days of barrenness and loss in his life. There were days when the fruit was abounding and there were days when there were no leaves upon the tree. Right now in our text, he is in one of those barren, dormant, Nothing happening stages in his life. God had promised him. God had told him. And he had believed God. But yet for a while, it looks like there is nothing. He has entered into what I call a nothing season in his life. Can I remind you today, if you live long enough, you and your life and your family, your ministry, your your work, your whole world, will walk in one day to a world of what I call nothing. A time of barrenness, a time of no growth, a time of hardness instead of blessing. It was a nothing time in his life. Have you ever prayed and... There was nothing. Have you ever trusted and hoped and there was nothing? Have you ever put your best foot forward and gave it all that you had and there was nothing? Have you ever preached to a teenager and there was nothing? Most of the time because there's nothing there to receive it. Can I get a witness? Have you ever believed and there was nothing? Have you ever witnessed to your family and seemingly nothing? Have you had a burden to witness and pray for the people you live near and work with that they might be saved and instead of getting better, they get worse? Have you ever really trusted for something with all of your heart and believed it with all of your heart and begged God for it with all of your heart and you look around and there is nothing? I preached a lot of sermons and there was what I thought, nothing. I prayed a lot of prayers and really what I thought was nothing. All of us are going to experience a nothing season in our life. But but according to this text, he didn't say stop when there's nothing. According to this text, he didn't say give up when there's nothing. According to this text, he didn't say throw up your hands in failure and turn back and walk away from God when there's nothing. No, he didn't say that in the text. He said, when there's nothing, go. And then he added, go now. And then he added, go again. How many times has somebody failed to succeed because they stopped too short, too soon of what God wanted in their life? 
But on the other hand, how many times you think someone succeeded at something because they tried one more time? Nearly every Monday morning, I have the privilege or opportunity or burden or whatever you want to call about it to fly an airplane. But I promise you the first day, oh, Orville and the Wright brothers out there on Nag's head, I don't believe they had a 747. In fact, the picture of that thing, I saw them. I wouldn't have got on it if you'd have, I thought, just shoot me first. I wonder how many times they had to tinker with that and tweak that and fix that. Finally, they succeeded. I went out to my car this morning, put the key in, cranked her up, backed her out, run over the cat and came on to church. And I wonder how many times that old Mr. Ford and Mr. Rosemobile and Mr. Buick and Mr. Chrysler out there fooling around, cranking up this, trying that. And man, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I didn't have to ride a horse to church today. Somebody was on Jack Howe's one time about all the oil spots in the parking lot from all the buses and the church vans, bringing all them people to church. And they didn't like all them oil and gas spots on the parking lot. He said, well, a hundred years ago here in Chicago, D.L. Moody brought them in horses and buggies. Which one do you want? There's young people all over this room did not get one word of what I just said. But how many times, brother, has somebody been successful because they did it one more time? How many times do we get to enjoy the work of somebody's labor back because they, they failed once and they failed twice and they, they looked and there was nothing and they worked and there was nothing and they dreamed and there was nothing. But all of a sudden, one day becomes something and something that's changed the world because they kept going when there was nothing. Well, how many times have I missed the blessings of God because I stopped one track too soon and I stopped one witness too soon and I stopped one message too soon and I stopped one song too soon and I stopped one praise too soon and I stopped one prayer too soon. You definitely ain't going to see nothing or something if you don't keep going. So when there's nothing to show for it, keep on going and one day God will honor your going and and nothing will become something. Because you got to keep going when there's nothing. Let me give you four things out of this text I see. Number one, there's a command. Why did he go when there was nothing? You ready for this simple answer? If you grew up in the south, you heard it. Because he was told to do it. You ever ask your mother and father, they tell you to do something, you say, why? And they say to you, cause I said so. And the reason why I was burning that trash is because I was told to. The reason why I was raking them leaves is because I was told to. The reason why I was doing what my mama and my daddy said was because I was told to. You said, well, you ought not to do something just because you told to. I wish my mother and father had a thought about that. Whether it made any sense to me or not, 
I was told to do it. Whether I understood the reason behind it or not, I was told to do it. You say, Brother Joe, why should we go on even when there's nothing? Because he told us to. But why should I keep on praying when there's nothing? Because he told us to. Why do I keep on trusting and believing when there's nothing because he told us to? But brother Joe, why do I keep on passing out tracts and giving a witness for Christ and trying to win somebody to the Lord and nobody's listening because he told you to? But brother Joe, when the devil tempts me to spend my tithes money on something else, why should I keep on writing that check and giving God what's already his that he's let me borrow a little while because he told you to? But why should I come to church on Sunday morning and come back on Sunday night and find me a place to worship God? Why do I keep on going to church? Why do I keep on giving? Why do I keep on believing? Why do I keep on trusting? Why do I keep on praising? Because he told us to. He told us to pray. He told us to read. He told us to worship. He told us to witness. He told us to go to church. He told us to be faithful. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to say something to the snowflake generation. It's okay to do something because somebody told you to. It's okay. And I hear preachers say this and I understand and I want to get on that in a moment. Man, we ought to serve God out of more than just duty. But right now, if duty is the only reason you can think to serve God, get at it. Oh, Brother Joe, we ought to pay our tithes and be a witness and be a soul winner and be faithful to live for God more than just out of a sense of duty and responsibility. We ought to do it with gladness. We ought to do it with joy. We ought to do it with happiness. I agree with all of the above. We ought to enjoy it, and I do. I enjoy praying. I enjoy giving. I enjoy going to church. I enjoy being a witness. But when my enjoyer is not working on all of the cylinders and I don't feel the thrill and I don't feel the joy and the excitement is not there, I reach up, suck it up, buttercup, and do it anyway. Because God told me to go to church. He told me to be a tither. He told me to be a soul winner. He told me to read the Bible. He told me to worship Him. He told me He was worthy of our praise. And the next sometime, and the next time somebody says, why are you doing what you're doing? Just look back and say, because my daddy said so. There is a command, go. Now that servant could have argued and said, why go? Well, he went and came back and said, all right, I did it one time. I did what you said. I went, I did it. Woo, I get a medal today for going. But there was nothing there. And that old man of God looks at that young preacher and said, really? Go again. In fact, do more than go again. Go seven times. And right now, 
at the beginning of this text, the only reason why this servant, the young preacher boy of Elijah, is doing what he does not understand, doing what he's never done before, doing what doesn't make common sense. I mean, common sense tells me if, if I look at that door and I don't see any rain and I go back and look again and don't see any rain, why should I go back again? The only reason why he's going right now is because of a command. He He's been commanded. He's got an order. He's got a job to do. He's got a calling. You say, but preacher, I prayed and nothing happened. God said, pray again. But I believed and trusted and nothing happened. And God said, trust and believe again. But I paid my tithes. I went to church. I did what was right. I followed the Bible. And still it didn't work out. Not yet. Not yet. But it is not over. The king not come yet. The commands are not finished. Keep on going because he said to. Go because he said to. Live right because he said to. I want to emphasize today there is nothing wrong with doing what you're supposed to do because God said to do it. There is a command. He's going because he told him to. He says twice in this text, go up, and then he said, go now, and then he even said again, go up and go now again. You say what he went, but he went again, but he went again, but he went again, but he went again, but yep, but he went again. And he found the same thing he found when he went again for the first time before he went again. And there was still nothing, but he kept on going again. But I prayed, pray again. But I gave, give again. But I showed up, show up again. But I passed the track, pass again. But I prayed, pray again. But I worshiped, worship again. But I preached, preach again. I taught my class, teach again. I sang in the choir, teach again. I want to emphasize. Thank God for the joy. Thank God for the burden. Thank God for the blessing. Thank God for the excitement. But if all I had from God was a command, that would be enough. We don't do it because it feels good. We do it because he said to. Can I get a witness in the church house right there? There's a command. He's going because he told him to go. Secondly, write this down in the text. There is a compliance. Beside of that word compliance, write down the word obedience. I love talking to people always looking for the secret. What is the secret to prayer? What is the secret to preaching? What is the secret to going to church? What is the secret to the Christian life? What is the secret of being a soul winner? What is the secret to success? What is the secret to having the blessings of God upon my life? You don't need a dictionary, a computer, or a legal pad. You can write this one word down. That will unlock a flood of Holy Ghost anointing in your life. And it's the word Obedience. Obedience. After 38 years of pastoring the same church, I'm going to tell you this between a successful Christian and one that failed at it. One word. Obedience. 
I've had people tell me, oh, Brother Joe, I'm searching for an answer. I'm searching for a treasure. I'm searching for a truth. Oh, my Brother Joe, if God had just showed me what he wants me to do, I'll, let me tell you something. If you're not willing to do it, God's not going to show you because you don't want him to show you if you're not willing to do it because you're sinning against revealed light. Well, I love that song in our hymn book. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear but to trust and obey. I love the little chorus, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, and that's to trust and obey. You know what he's doing? He's just obedient. He don't understand it, but he's obedient. He can't figure it out. He's obedient. He's went and there's nothing. And he's going again and there's nothing. And he's going to go three times and four times. He's going to go seven times. And what keeps him going is this. I just want to be obedient. I just want to be obedient. I want to be an obedient servant. I want to be an obedient Christian. And the greatest thing you can do in your life and your family and in your world is be obedient. You've got to do your part. Now I understand when people say this. Boy, if God don't do it, it won't get done. I understand that. I understand. I understand the sovereign, omnipotent hand of God. I believe it more than people believe I believe it. God's got to do it. God's got to send revival. God's got to roll the stone. God's got to Send the, I understand it's a sovereign work of God. But if you'll study your Bible correctly, right beside of the sovereign works of God in the Bible is man's willful obedience or disobedience. One thing I want to say to that servant, son, I know you went and there was nothing. And God's told you to go again. And you may not understand it. But boy, one thing is plain. You're not going to see it if you don't go. He didn't say, well, praise God, just wait around and here she'll come. He said, no, you've got to do your part to see the rain. You say, my brother Joe, if the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. I understand, but don't forget the last part, they labor. Oh, brother Joe, God's gonna send, God's got to send revival. I understand God's got to do it, but he told us to pray. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he said, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. May I say to you this morning, the hearing from heaven, the forgiving of our sin and the healing of our land only came, it only came after they, after they got hungry, after they got humble, after they got confessing. I know God's power makes the difference, but according to the Bible, you got to do your part. And by the way, the whole Christian life begins, continues, and consummates in obedience. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Well, anybody here saved by God's grace? Your sins forgiven. You're going to go to heaven when you die. You know why? Because Jesus said, come and you came. Jesus said, believe and you believed. Jesus said, trust and you trusted. You acted on what he said. And ladies and gentlemen, that's true in the beginning of your salvation. That's true in the continuance of your Christian life. Can I make this statement this morning? The only kind of prayer God cannot answer and will not answer is the one you don't pray. You say, but he went and that was nothing. What do you think he's going to see if he don't ever go back? Nothing. I mean, he went and said, preacher, I went up there and looked and there wasn't a thing up there. So he's going to sit and just sit and sit and sit. And you know what he's going to see? The same thing he saw, nothing. He is not going to see the fulfillment of the promise of God until he is obedient. There's a verse in the Bible that says obedience is better than sacrifice. I've interviewed great preachers from the past. I was always intrigued when I was a little boy. These men of God that I'd see preach and man, the power of God would come upon them and God would use them in their life. When God called me to preach, I was like a little bunny rabbit after the carrot, a mouse after the cheese. Son, every time them old preachers turned around, there I stood. In fact, Billy Kelly told me one time, he said, you can really get on a man's nerves. He said, you can ask more questions than a fellow deaf or a lawyer. But I was hungry, Brother Clark. I was thirsty. I'd seen the Holy Ghost come upon him. I'd seen the power of God hit his life. I wanted to know what made him tick. How do you pray? How do you study? Man, I started studying preachers. I started studying their lives. Man, I had a picture of Maze Jackson over my bed and I'd hear him on the radio. So I, I, I'd, I'd, get in the, I'd get in the bathroom and I'd get in front of the mirror and, and I'd, I'd get my tie out and I'd get my finger crooked and I'd say, beloved, open your Bible tonight to the book of John chapter 3. And, and I mean, I sounded just like Mama thought Maze Jackson was in the bathroom. And I got to studying Dr. Lee Robertson in that pinstripe, double-breasted suit. You ought to see a 19-year-old boy that weighs 119 pounds in a pinstripe, double-breasted suit. You think Elvis is back in town. Three to five, three to five. I hope you're Bible tonight. Three to five, three to five. I met a guy named Sammy Allen. Went to hear him preach one night, and he preached for an hour and 45 minutes. Yes, I said an hour and 45 minutes and some of you are griping at me right now because it's already 12. For an hour and 45 minutes, he preached on a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall, and that's how he preached, and every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ, hi man. And so, man, I got my hand out and I was shaking my head and shaking my hand and quoting scripture and all I got was arthritis in my head and a discombobulated brain. 
Boy, I was watching old Roger Williams preach one night the power of the Holy Ghost and he's preaching on Moses. Take off your shoes cause you're on holy ground and he reached down and took off his shoes and he preached that message barefooted. Son, the power of God hit that place. So the next time I taught my son to school class, I took my shoes off. I didn't know but I had a hole in my sock and my big toe stuck out my sock the whole time. Boy, I said, wait a minute, Brother Mays, we got to talk. Brother Samuel, we got to talk. Brother Billy, we got to talk. Oh, Brother Allen, we got to talk. Daddy, we got to talk. I'm watching all the antics. I'm watching all the personalities. I'm watching all the stuff on the outside. But there's more than that. There's more than that. What is it, man of God, that makes you tick? Why do you have the blessing and the joy and the anointing? And the power of God on your life. And I come to find out it wasn't the volume of their voice. It wasn't the inflection of their speech. It wasn't their dress. It wasn't their attire. It wasn't their personality. It wasn't their moves. I want to tell you what it was. Obedience. 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 They were doing what God told them to do. And they were just simply obeying the commands of God. But you say, preacher, I prayed and nothing happened. And I witnessed and nothing happened. And I believe with all my heart and nothing happened. Obey God. Obey God. Obey God. Listen to me. I can't raise Lazarus from the dead, but I can roll the stones away. I can't feed the 5,000, but I can bring the lunch. I can't knock down a rock, much less a wall in Jericho, but I can do my shout. Hello? Ladies and gentlemen, I can't part the Red Sea. I can lift up the rod. Oh my. I can't defeat the giant, but I can sling my sling. I can't turn back the tide of evil in America. I can't be a one-man revival, but I can read my Bible, and I can pray, and I can worship God, and I can lift my voice. Ladies and gentlemen, when you keep on going, and there's nothing, just be obedient, just be obedient. Obey God in your life. There's a command, there's a compliance. Quickly, number three, there's a consistency. Beside of that word, write down the word faithful. Notice what he said in verse 42 and 43. He said, go. Go now. When I went, there's nothing. He said, go again. He said, in fact, do more than again. Go seven times. And you know what he had to do? Just be faithful. Just be faithful. I believe the reason why a lot of people never see the hand of Holy Ghost blessing in their life is you won't be faithful. The greatest characteristic in the life of any Christian is a talent, money, power, faithfulness. Faithfulness. In fact, the Bible said it is required in a steward that he be found what? Faithful. 
at the end of my life, Brother Gus, I'm not going to stand before God. He is going to say, okay, Joe Arthur, we're going to review your life. Oh, let's look at this. He is not going to say, and I'm thankful because I hadn't been very successful, but he's not going to say, well done, that good and successful servant. I'm glad that's not going to even enter into the equation. No. That's not even going to enter into the equation and thank God for that because I've not been very successful. I've been laboring for 38 years and look around. This is all I got to show for it. But I'm thankful for what I got. I've not been as successful as others. I'm not as talented as others and educated as others. I've not been a great success in the eyes of others. I've not even been a great success in the eyes of myself. In fact, I can't even live up to my own expectations, much less somebody else's. But Brother Bill, I'm not going to stand before the Lord and give an account of my success. No, it says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to tell you this morning, this place ain't packed, but I'm back preaching again. We got empty seats everywhere, but I'm back preaching again. I fought all of hell this week, but I'm back preaching again. I'm tired in body and mind, but I'm preaching again. The devil's been after us, but I'm preaching again. Sometimes I don't feel like, but I'm preaching again. Oh, there's problems, there's storms, there are burdens, there are heartaches. My God, there's disappointments. But if I can't be successful, there's one thing by the help of God I can be faithful, 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 faithful. Go now, go again, seven times. And he didn't see the blessing till he was faithful. Let's do a little mathematical deduction here. He told him to go again, how many? Seven. But he's already been once, so that's eight. He had to make eight trips. But now, in reality, 16. Come on, come on now. Come on there, mathematician Alan. Actually, it's 16 trips. Because he has to go up eight, come back eight. Am I right? 16 trips. Now, I don't know how far. I'm not like some of my friends. I don't know everything about the Bible. Some of my friends don't know what they think they know about the Bible. But, I'm just telling you, I don't know how far that boy had to go. Let's just say it ain't no further mirror there. Nothing. Go seven times. You mean 16. All together. All right. I'm going to shorten that distance a little bit. Nothing. 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 Now he's on his way for the 15th time. Number 15, baby, 
is when he saw the blessing. Fifteen in the Bible is the number of resting in the promises of God. Glory to God, somebody shout hallelujah right there. Woo! It was trip number 15 that he saw the blessing. And brother, trip number 16 was a little better than trip 1 through 15. Because this time he had expectation. This time he had a promise. This time he had a word. I don't know what he said after that first nothing. Nothing. Maybe he come back every time and said nothing. But oh brother, when he came down for the 16th, time. He didn't say nothing. He didn't say nothing. I believe he said, hey preacher, I've been 15 times and saw nothing. Oh, but the 16th time I got a word of faith. I got a revelation from God. I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand and it's arising out of the sea. I want to say, young boy, it's more than a man's hand arising out of that sea. What are you about to see? It's the mighty hand of the sovereign God of heaven honoring faith, honoring obedience, honoring Somebody's faithfulness. Amen. He kept going. And finally, he got the blessing. He was faithful. I close with this one now. There's a command. There's a compliance. There's a consistency. You're ready. And then now there is confidence. Confidence. What kind of confidence did Elijah have telling that boy to go again? I mean, preacher, do you know something I don't know? No, but son, I've been where you've not been. And back in, oh, I hate that clock. Lord, I got something to say. You want to stay a few extra minutes and get the whole load? Hey, he said in verse number 41, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I don't see it, but I hear it. I've not touched it, but I heard it. Did you hear that country just come out of me? Heard. I am a doctor with three doctor's degrees. I have no business on a Sunday morning vesper saying heard. I heard. I heard. And I believe he said to all the rednecks, I heard it. I heard the sound of an abundance of rain. He said, that boy ain't heard nothing. Elijah heard it. And he said, that sounds familiar. I'm not saying, son, I know something that you don't know, but I will tell you this, I have seen what you have not seen. Son, you don't understand. Back a few chapters ago, I was down there by the brook, isolated from everybody, didn't know how I was going to eat my next meal. And God got a bunch of dirty birds, and I ain't talking about the Atlanta Falcons. 
God got a bunch of ravens, a bunch of dirty birds, and he brought me bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And I drank out of that brook. And then God told me to go down to a widow's house and eat out of her barrel. My God, son, there was barely enough to feed her. But the barrel never went dry. God pulled something out of nothing. God pulled something out of nothing. That was nothing by that brook. But God pulled something out of nothing. That was down there at the widow's house. But God put something out of nothing. And then her little boy died. And he's laying in her arms. And there was no breath. And there was no heartbeat. My God Almighty. And there was no life. And there was nothing. But I laid on top of him. And the Holy Ghost come upon me. Lord, I think I'll preach again. I think I'll pack me another suitcase. I think I'll catch me another plane. I think I'll kiss my wife by one more time. I think I'll walk down that hallway one more time whether I feel like it or not because you were there by the brook and you were there by the barrel and you was there by the boy. Hey, I want to tell you something, brother. You may be laying down today with no faith and no breath and no smile and no joy, but the sovereign God of heaven will stop by your pew and give you something when there is nothing. We ought to call recess and shout 30 minutes right there. Glory. I'm not saying I don't, I know something you don't know, but I have been there. You know, I did see what God did at the brook, the bear, and the boy. He said, were you not watching a while ago? When in the first part, boy, I didn't see this all week studying. I've been a chewing on this one for days. I didn't see this one. This one's extra. This is an hors d'oeuvre on top of the main menu. This is some chocolate drizzle over top of the Sunday. Oh, God. Chapter 18, the first part of it on Mount Carmel. He said, boy, were you not watching when them false prophets and them false religionists called on their measly God and there was sure enough nothing? And then the sovereign God of heaven stepped out on nothing and made the fire fall and God gave revival. Go on back up there, boy. The same God that met me by the brook and the same God that met me at the widow's house and the same God that put life in that little boy and the same God that just set the fire on top of that mountain while ago, he'll do it again. He'll do it again because experience had worked expectation. Oh, don't let me say that too fast. That'll change your life. His experience had created and birthed expectation. Let me say that one more time. His experience had birthed expectation. Expectation. He's believing God. He's trusting God. He's expecting God because he first heard a sound. Then he saw a little cloud. Then he saw clouds full of rain. And then the Bible said there came a great rain. You say, why do you keep on preaching? Why do you keep on praying? Why do we keep on believing God for revival and turn the tides of evil? Because he's done it before and God can do it again. Now, brother, if that don't move this congregation and that don't bless you, I ain't got nothing else to give you. 
Because I'm more slap out. And I've given it the best shot I got. Lord, have mercy. His experience had now birthed expectation. And he went from a little sound to a little cloud till a great rain. If I wasn't so wore out, I'd demonstrate my last point. Watching God bring everything and something out of nothing. So blessed Elijah that he outrun the devil's chariot. I mean, by the time you get to this text, no wonder this old boy's wore out. No wonder he's on top of that mountain with his head between his knees. Go look. Nothing. Go look again. And when God brought nothing into something, it so touched and energized him, he said, whoop. I believe we can go again. And he girded up his loins and outran the devil's chariot. You know why? Because if God said it, that's enough to stand on it. And if we have to, that's enough to die on it. Here it is in conclusion. Best part of this message today to some of you is my conclusion. But here it is. One more time. Pray one more time. Believe one more time. Trust one more time. And for some of you, wake up one more time. I mean, you wake up and pay attention and one of these days, I just might preach a barn burner. But if you don't wake up, you're going to miss it. Go one more time. One more time. One more time. Just one more time. Let's stand together. Father, we love you today.